you think Bruce Willis is the best actor to talk to himself and it doesn't seem weird? Now that you say that, yes. Is that his thing? Yeah. You need, just... If you need an actor to say <laughs> lo- to seem like he's only talking to himself, yeah. you hire Bruce Willis. Yeah. Him or like a maybe Harrison Ford. Oh, Harrison Ford's good he too. He seems pretty good at it. Like mumble into your breath type of thing. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> if you if you need someone to throw one of those in. Yeah. Or Eddie Murphy. Oh, yeah. Okay. There's a few. So you got options. But this... The, but... Bruce Willis well, is very. While good. you say that, they, those guys all do seem like the same guy a little bit. Yeah, Eddie Murphy clearly much funnier in the sense that mm-hmm. he can also joke. Yeah, but you're right that him, ah, boy. Now that you mentioned, they have it, like a wounded confidence thing going almost all the time. Yeah, uh, that actually someone else who kind of has a wounded confidence thing is Danny Glover in the die or not, in. The Lethal Weapon movies. Oh, yeah. He's yep. also mumbling under his breath. And he breath. also talks to himself. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Huh. So, and he, he reminds me a lot more of Harrison Ford. And, yeah. Like, they kind of have an oldness to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think Bruce Willis has always seemed oh, old. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is it just the balding? <laughs> Is that what sells it? <laughs> you always seem like you're wearing a wig. <laughs> so much. 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 Much. Why is The Fifth Element a good movie? If you think about it, yeah. if you add up all the... Everything, all the stuff is so weird. Yeah. It's... There's so many things where if you saw it out of context, mm-hmm. you'd be like, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so why is, why is it a good movie? I think it's very charming. Yeah, that's probably it, isn't it? Wow, I think you just got it in one. <laughs> I think it's just like, even the things that are weird about it, yeah. I even think of, so at the beginning of the movie, which I'm sure we'll talk about more because it's very interesting to us. For sure. The Like the animatronic guys. Oh, like the big robot yeah. alien. They're not imposing. They're not like funny. They look so weird. They look so weird. They kind of don't even make sense. They don't move really that convincingly. Nope. Uh, but there's just something a little quirky and fun about them. It's very French, isn't it? I guess. I mean, from what I know of, I know a lot of Luc Besson <laughs> and his, he, he's really influenced by Mobius, which sure. is this, this guy from the 70s, a French sure. guy who yeah. also influenced a lot of Star Wars and a lot yeah. of, pretty much if you liked sci-fi in the 70s, you loved Mobius. Sure. If you knew, you know, the underground stuff, because he was just the guy that influenced everything because he was mm-hmm. so creative. Yeah, and he had a lot of those weird. Sci-fi was like almost whimsical, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was a lot of, it was like sort of the bridge between the really, really ridiculous, like John Carter of Mars type, Frank Frazetta. Yeah, stuff. just absurd fantasy where they don't even think about it. Yeah, the and then and then starting to think about like the aesthetics almost. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's he was a good bridge, and I think that is really where. Mm-hmm. I think Fifth Element does that too. It is kind of a bridge between the serious Star Wars stuff, which have been going on for so long, mm-hmm. and the really goofy, fun adventure type. It's almost a fantasy more. Th- it's not really sci-fi, right? No, it's definitely like a fantasy thing. <laughs> Actually, what it makes me think of a little bit is it's almost like a little how the difference between like The Hobbit versus Lord of the Rings are almost different kinds of fantasy from each other. Yeah. Where it's like in The Hobbit, it's just like 
or not even just all the Hobbit, but even in different parts of it, how you get a guy like uh, Tom Bombadil, or right, where it's just like weird, and it's like, what is this? Where there's three trolls all arguing with each other. Yeah, that's probably a better one because it's actually in the Hobbit. Extremely, that's a very fantasy, like like a old English fantasy type of thing. Yeah, versus don't get caught up on the details, guys. Yep, versus the Lord of the Rings, like historical stuff. This is I don't know. This it's is, not a perfect analogy, but no, I think it's good because that's what I, it makes me I think, think of. you're right. It, it's more like The Hobbit in that it is a, don't get caught up in the details. Uh, this thing exists because the story wants it to exist. Well, and it's just kind of fun for its own sake. Yeah, like Ruby Rod doesn't like that's need a, to be the way he is. Yeah, but it is a clever idea of like this is how ridiculous uh, all entertainment is going to be in the future yeah it's like the logical end point of short attention spans and i think he probably wants to kind of poke fun at modern things yeah totally that way i don't know yeah in that anyway. case it is kind of sci-fi in, in that little a little bit yeah but it definitely it is more of a fantasy than sci-fi even just the setup oh yeah of there's this magical the, you know, the power of love. There's a, this magical woman that yeah, can the essentially fact, complete the yeah. this banishing of the darkness. The fact that they beat the whole thing through the power of love is very not sci-fi, from what yeah. I can tell. It's basically um, just fantasy, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, anyway, we can get back to some yeah, of the... Yeah, no, that's good. And, well, and that actually reminds me of the other ways in which I think it's very French, but we can definitely talk more about that. Yeah. Let's get into just, I don't know, the what movie, is this movie specifically. about? Yeah, for sure. Well... Hit up uh, some details. Yeah, let's hit up this in this opening scene of, of the movie. Oh man, because it's really weird. It's a it's it's cool setup, but it's, it's kind of it sets up some things that don't really deliver in the same way as you would expect. Yeah, well, and I always forget about the beginning of the movie. Yeah, because this is one of those movies that you see when it comes on TV. Yeah, and you never see the beginning. Yeah, and um, you just get right to Bruce Willis. Yeah, he doesn't show up for quite a while. Yeah, and the beginning of the movie. It's pretty weird. It's like in in like 1920s, right? Yeah, even earlier. I think it's like 1900. Okay, yeah. Like right in around Egypt. the turn of the century in Egypt, and there's a guy digging up a like an archaeological site. Yeah, and they kind of set up this religion, which has been around for millennia. Yeah. Yep. Uh, which knows about aliens mm-hmm. and is based around protecting this site. Because the site has the thing that's going to protect the Earth. Yep. From from this uh, nebulous dark Great evil. The great evil. And and it's essentially in the pyramids in Egypt mm-hmm. somewhere or, you know, something like that. Yeah. And while they're digging this up, this, you know, the relig- religious order is, is there and these aliens show up. Big round. They're, ba- <laughs> they're basically eggs with legs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and they show up and do they they take the stones right? Uh, yeah, they take the stones to be protected. Yep, and they said we'll come back when you know when when it's time. Yep, and, and then, one of them gets stuck in there. Yeah, there's a whole like they're you know these these crazy old people from 1900 don't think, understand what aliens are. I think that part kind of shows a little bit about how much of the movie is not utilitarian. How so? So this weird little scene of this like little spherical alien guy, yeah, rushing to make it through the door. Mm-hmm. It's almost like an Indiana Jones esque thing. Yeah, and, then and he it's like, even make but it. it's like 
he can't run fast. Yeah. So they can't make it like actually thrilling that way. Yep. Like it's not really a movie thrill. It's just like a I I guess an homage to that. Well, and and they and they have to set it up to where he can give the key, right? Yeah. That's like, really that's really just, the only thing. Yeah, they wanted they need to, to set up a way for that there to be to them to hand the key. Like for the the key to be a, a a treasure since they're taking the stone and to show you the importance of it, I guess. Yep, totally. And, but that's I don't know. It's just funny that they they kind of need to. You couldn't just hand them the key, right? Yeah. They need to make it a little exciting. But they made it a little exciting, just in like this goofy way. Yeah, I think I think <laughs> which is very you, fun. Yeah, which I think you're what you're getting at, which I think is, I think it seems very. All, all these things seem so extraneous. Yeah, there's no reason for it to be there. But the fact that it is there makes us like it a lot more. The yeah. the reason you know the point that they're just messing around in this world. Yeah, and that they there are places that they can cut, but they don't. That's the stuff that we like. The little details are what actually make this movie good. Yeah, they're the little things that are funny, and and I think it it undercuts some of the seriousness. Yeah, because there are there it's I even think of there are a lot of later scenes in the movie where it's kind of like this tense situation but mm-hmm. there's so many jokes yeah and i think those would probably seem weird if it, if it was portrayed as being only serious at the beginning of the movie oh for sure because well then well you know after the scene immediately we jump to 300 years in the future yeah and it doesn't even start with our main character still we yeah. go right to the military and, and they're the firing weird- on this weird you know, yeah. black mass, that... and all of the weird egg aliens just die. Oh yeah, they just <laughs> they just crash on a planet. Oh, because yeah. and we do see that they're sabotage. You know, yeah, but it's just someone like, someone knows about this just, on the other side, and they just kill them. I didn't. I love how they introduce these guys as being like Earth's protectors. Yeah, and then they all die, and there's like, well, you guys are on your own. <laughs> like, I thought that was it's it's such a weird turn, right? Yeah, it's not. I mean. Everything I, in this movie is a weird yeah, turn. I get in the sense that it, you know, adds to the stakes that like, oh boy, like if you think there's somebody out there who's going to save us, there is not. It's yeah. just us. But it's like they did it like off screen, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, totally. It's just really. We do not uh, ever funny. see inside it's their ship so different that. from, it's very the not cliched way of showing it. Yeah, totally. Of like, yeah, like the, I don't know, the Gandalf character dying heroically and it's like let's just not yeah <laughs> all right <laughs> I love and, it. but then yeah so they show this military and they yeah. show do they do they show her getting put together before they show corbin dallas or not they basically retrieve one hand from the wreckage yeah because they're like aware that these aliens are the ones that are going to help them somehow yep and yep. so they piece together uh our one of our two main characters, Lilu, mm-hmm. played by Emila Jovovich, yep. in like a basically started her career. Yeah, she'd been in stuff before that, but this is the one that like made her a star. Yeah, and uh, they basically like regenerate her with this meat making with this machine. I love how that scene. I think gets at one of the other things that's cool about the movie is how it has all this crazy futuristic technology. But it seemingly hasn't solved any of the world's problems. Yeah, everyone's just like, well, we can do He's this. Still Who cares? Like a like a disgruntled taxi driver. Like, you think we would have solved that? Oh, if yeah. If we can put people together, if we can create a whole human out of just a hand. Yep. You know? But no. But capitalism still exists. It's still, and like, they have like, 
this incredible vacation planet, but like nobody gets to go. Yep. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, like it's it's still crappy. Yeah, totally. So so they piece together Lilu mm-hmm. and she immediately escapes. Yep. And because she speaks an alien language and, and she she's like this superhuman. Yeah, she's a super being with infinite strength like a bunch of strains of dna somehow yeah it clearly makes no sense but that's why it's great yeah that's fine and then we meet corbin dallas our other protagonist protagonist, i guess yeah deuteragonist there's like a word for it oh okay sure but uh (laughs) it's primarily him though it is mostly him and he's a taxi driver ex-military taxi Mm -hmm. driver (laughs) Mm -hmm. because that sets up him to you know be contacted by the military for this type of thing and also yeah. that he wants to get out of his current job which he only has three points left in his license and yeah he immediately is out doing his job and lulu crashes through his the roof of his car yep and he loses the rest of his points yeah literally in her escape she jumps off a building and just crashes through the ceiling of his taxi yeah and so and yeah. he decides to help her yep so that leads to a very funny scene in his apartment. Uh-huh. His apartment is great, by the way. He has a, yeah. It's a great set where he has like probably 200 square feet. It's comically small. And everything it, everything has multiple functions. Yep. So his fridge sinks into the floor to become a shower. To reveal his shower. To reveal the shower. Yeah, which... And then there's a bunch of random drawers yeah. where like stuff gets plastic wrapped and like yep. his bed comes out from there yep. and all sorts of really weird stuff. And like weird tech. That... Yeah, that seems like it would be really awesome, but his life is garbage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, except also it, the, a lot of the tech is little things like that that are handy, but then a lot of it is also like the things on the wall that you need to put your hands on oh when yeah the, like, when the police come it's like they police come yeah and, like, like they have the camera in your room so they can see if you have your hands on the wall uh-huh yeah like it's clearly terrifying so wild uh and like they that scene though i think is also a great example of like kind of the balancing that it does oh yeah let's describe that scene a little bit it's um, just they, where it's the just military like, guys show up yeah it's weird because it's like this dystopian future of the military people coming to try to find him and Lilu. Yeah, and but they're trying to convince him to go on a mission to a planet. But then it's also like this Charlie Chaplin esque. Oh, it's absolutely comedy a comedy of errors. Of like, oh, like this person's in the shower. You know, Very like this automatic comedy. shower. He like crams, we're gonna cram these two people in the refrigerator. He puts, he puts Lilu in the shower yeah. to hide her, and then puts you know puts them up, and then. Yeah. The three military people come in, and mm-hmm. then he is, you know, talking to them a little bit, does not want to do their mission. Yeah. He's, like, out of the game. But then who else comes? Somebody else comes, and he... So then he crams the three of them in the fridge. Well, the cops come. Yes. But also the guy who's trying to kill him. The um, guy who's representative of the super bad guys, right? Oh, yes. And also doesn't the... Sorry, we saw this a month ago. And yeah. It's, it's a very it, nebulous no, plot. It's seriously like a madcap. Yeah. Like, I think on purpose, too many yes. people... And doesn't doesn't the priest guy show up too, Ian Holm? Oh, yeah, the priest shows up too. The priest shows up. And I he think puts him in the automatic bed he puts and he him in the saran wrap. So I think that he... So I think Ian Holm shows up and he says, all right, I got to talk to this guy, but you guys got to hide. Yeah. So he puts the three military people in the fridge. And yeah. then he, Ian Holm shows up and talks to him for a little bit and asks where Lulu is. Yeah. And he puts him in the bed and the bed like saran wraps him basically. Yeah. And then 
then that's when the police show up. Oh yeah, that's because he needs to hide him from the police. Yep, and it just it just goes on and on and on. And, and then he, so finally we get they get him. He gets Lilu out of the shower, and the shower's been on the whole time, and she's like freezing, wet cold. and freezing and yeah. terrified. And then he gets Ian all out, and he's in the he's like suffocating. He's like suffocating, and then he opens the fridge, and the three military people are basically frozen. Yeah, they're like like blue and frosty, frozen. like it's a Looney Tunes. Bit. And I thought they were it's dead, great. but it turns out <laughs> yeah, that they, they were dead. They did show up a little later as alive. Yeah, which well, I was shocked by. I think the tone does a pretty good job of making it believable that it's a gag. Yeah, that, uh, yep. but it's still just like, it's very Looney Tunes. That's a good way to describe yeah. it. It's it's just cartoonish, uh-huh. and, it, and that's what this movie really flexes and. I don't yes. ever feel like it's very serious. I mean, there are parts that are serious, but I never get the feeling that it's serious, and that's no. probably why it's so fun. Yeah, because it is just fun. It doesn't take itself too seriously. I mean, the villain is like this faceless planet, right? Or right. like well, like a black hole and that's kind gonna of threatening to kill everybody. Yeah, and it's not played as serious. But it, but the main the 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 villain the face of the villain side yeah. is played by Gary Oldman in a absolutely insane oh, yeah. role great. yeah he's got one side of his hair head shaved kind of and mm-hmm. there's a big plastic piece over it and he yeah. talks in like a southern accent yeah like yeah. a genteel yeah gentleman <laughs> yeah. and th- there are parts where the darkness speaks to him and he like bleeds from his head and yeah really weird parts yeah oh man it's wild yeah like because th- this this thing that's kind of convincing him to do all this stuff is just like this very abstract horror yeah this black void yeah and then he's just like this he's not he's, quite a mustache twirler yeah he's not quite on that level uh he's like a he's like a but corporate, the accent would make you think that yeah he he's like a weird corporate guy who thinks yeah this is somehow gonna be good for business i can't remember yeah he's trying to make money uh, it's truly in, there's no <laughs> logic to this and that's kind of what makes it awesome uh, pretty relatable honestly yeah yeah it's true <laughs> the idea that destroying the earth could be profitable for a few people yeah exactly uh, yeah anyway that's like all sci-fi is somehow very prescient yep. in weird yep. ways um, but but so so the military people come to get Corbin to go to this vacation planet yes because they are they've been informed that that's where these stones are that we have to get to protect the earth yep and so eventually Corbin goes and there's a great scene at the airport where everyone shows yeah. up claiming to be Corbin Dallas yeah. and having one. It's just this. like another like madcap zany thing of just like a seeming like just person after person after person coming to the claiming to be Corbin Dallas. Because they all want to take advantage of this and go <laughs> yeah. to this planet. They all get a lot of them get injured in weird ways. It's really funny. And that's when we meet uh, Ruby Rod, played by Chris Tucker. The radio which, host. Yeah. I think it's TV, too. They have a cameras and stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, and he just talks like 10,000 miles a minute. Yep. And Boy, the, really? Could anyone else have done that? I don't think so. That's he's so, so nuts. He's so shrill. I he's can't so imagine nuts. how they could have even written the lines. Do you think he ad-libbed a lot of that? No, like I, think the he probably just, I think he probably just did it. Well, I mean, wow. yeah, maybe the voice. Maybe like part of the character. Yeah. But I think Luke Besson kind of knew what he wanted, which was a like very, a very androgynous sex symbol mm-hmm. who is just really over the top, and yeah. it's like how could anyone even like this guy? But everyone's obsessed with him, yeah. and everyone, 
wants him to when he signs autographs he just walks by with a pen yeah it makes a straight line across everybody's papers (laughs) that they're holding up at him it's really good and so the joke is that he's interviewing corbin dallas and corbin is not having it and so he says like one word answers yeah for everything and it's and and then after everything's done ruby rod's really mad at him for not making good tv yeah (laughs) and so but ruby rod ends up being like a pretty big part of the whole thing like for the rest of the movie yeah, he does. He comes along with them for yeah. like the the end of Corbin the has whole, to save him. Yeah, and uh, so anyway, they take this you know the space flight to this vacation planet, and we find out that Ruby Rod is just constantly getting laid, and we yeah. find out that you know, and Corbin has to go to sleep because it's you know inner, you mm-hmm. know, it's light faster than light travel. Yeah, and. Uh, meanwhile, Lulu find uh, does one of those montages where she like absorbs everything really fast and finds out that humankind created war <laughs> or like they're That's very the violent. And... Isn't that on the way back? No, it's the way there because they split up, and she's really sad. Oh, okay. Yeah. So then I, he yeah. gets, then he goes to the opera thing, and Lulu goes off on her own, and mm-hmm. she's all she's all sad and terrified about humanity. Mm-hmm. Is it on? Well, I know she finds out about some stuff that bums her out, but she doesn't find out until about war specifically until on the way back to Earth. Oh, because then she's so sad, and that's yeah. what she's yeah. Yep. But she she is in a mood for sure yep. when they get to the vacation planet. Yeah, and so they get to the va- vacation planet, and he's Corbin's in like the lap of luxury because he won this contest, so he gets to go to this fancy yeah, sh- opera which was, show, which was set up by the military, so he yeah. could do the mission. Yeah. So it's basically opera, and then it turns into like hip opera. Yeah, hip hop techno opera. It's but like, like physically unsingable. It's an extremely <laughs> '90s version of what future music would be like. Yeah. Yep. They misread it. <laughs> well, they always do. Well, I guess we're not there yet. It might move in that direction. It could be moving in that direction. <laughs> Who knows? But and that—that's like how. I mean, no one's ever had an accurate depiction of no. what music will be like in the no. future. I don't think so. Because nobody who cares about music is also working on any of these projects. Yeah. They're just like, what's popular It's just now? impossible to guess what's, anyway. What's the thing that I don't understand because I'm not a teen? Yeah. And they just take that. <laughs> Crank and it make, up. They, make that, they just take that and make their own version of that and mm-hmm. it's bad. Yeah. Because yeah, they just don't get it. That one's fairly forgivable. Yeah, that'd be like if they'd made a movie, uh, this movie now. Yeah. And the music that they had would be SoundCloud rap. <laughs> yeah. But like even worse. <laughs> yeah, or like a few years ago, people probably thought oh, every, that just dubstep was gonna, just going to go on forever. Everything was dubstep, <laughs> yes. That dubstep. If there's one thing we know about dubstep, it's that it'll never end. It'll never end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... so while he's in the opera, Lilu has this extended fight scene. Yes. Of really, and she has quite a few of them throughout the movie. This one especially is pretty obnoxious. It's pretty obnoxious. It's like cartoony. It's and the one where I really they could have gone a little more serious. I think. Yeah. Well, and it doesn't help that it's kind of intercut with the opera, so it's like her fighting is set to music, mm-hmm. but it's almost like she can hear the music. It's pretty dorky. Uh, yeah. It's it's a little cringeworthy even in a movie that is you're assuming is like oh, this is normal wacky yeah yeah it's too well much. and I think that's probably why is that it's almost like it takes itself too seriously yeah. like that she's this badass all uh-huh. of a sudden yeah which she I mean don't get me wrong Mila Jovovich great acting yeah. scene person and she she still kind of does like almost like you know 
There are cool, a couple of really cool high kicks. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and it is a little wacky still. Like, it's not totally self-serious. Yeah, she clunks some people's heads together. And yeah, stuff. but it just and doesn't come just, together. It just doesn't work. No. One of the few scenes where I'm actively taken out of the movie. Yeah. An admittedly weird movie. Do you think part of it was just... Um, and we'll probably get to more of this more. I think the director really just likes her. I was just going to say that. Do you think it's just Luke Besson just being infatuated with the Milo 100% Jovovich? yes. That's yeah. exactly what it is. Um, actually, let's just talk about that right now. Yeah. You mentioned the Frenchness of it to you oh, yeah. being the sci-fi parts. I mean, among other things. Among other things. The main French thing to me mm-hmm. is, one, people being like, Oh yeah, it's not like corny that this movie is like openly horny because it's a French guy. Yeah, that's one thing that just I just can't not stand it. Right, and then also it just being like it makes me think of all these old French movies which I hate, which are like this French guy who's like I'm really awesome at everything, uh-huh. but I just don't care. Oh, <laughs> I need the perfect woman to come along and just give me a lust for life again. It's the and movie. It's, not it's quite, the movie version of Ennui. Yeah. And, and, and almost like a Very manic pixie dream girl almost kind of a thing where it's yeah. just like the guy is almost just like I'm great the problem isn't me <laughs> the problem yeah. is I haven't found the right girl yet I'm very competent but my life is in shambles yeah why <laughs> you know I have it all but it's I don't love my life yeah. you know and it's it like, and they didn't it's not that way in the sense that it's like a bad movie yeah. You know, because that, that's not really the point of the movie. That is very French, you're right. But that's what the, it makes me think of as being a French thing. Yeah, totally. Um, that, that does make a lot of sense. <laughs> that's pretty interesting when you think about it, because that's also... I did want to mention very briefly Valerian mm-hmm. and the City of a Thousand Planets. Yeah. We'll talk about it more at we'll, the end. We'll come back. But, we can come back to that that's definitely... A lot of the same character types sure. are in that movie, also directed by Luc Besson, yeah. 22 years later. Yeah. And it just... All I could think of the whole time is like this is just a worse fifth element. Yeah. Well, with and I think graphics. I think the way that the fifth element managed to dodge it, like that pr- being a problem, yeah, was the casting Bruce Willis. Oh yeah. And having him be like an everyman. Yep. Like not just an everyman, but a guy who is almost from a different movie. Yeah. <laughs> everyone yeah. else takes it. Everyone else is taking this movie very seriously, mm-hmm. and while he may have been taking it seriously, mm-hmm. his body language and tone does not show it yeah it doesn't seem like a guy who has ennui so much as it is just he's, he's just run down my life yeah he just seems tired yeah which is i think is better yeah it is better and i think everybody around him they don't react to him as if he is this like important prestigious guy with ennui yep they react to him like he is like a trucker or just like a regular yep. schmo i think that's it and they're and like ruby rod being just like oh are you serious like come on man yeah I'm like trying, you're, you're not you? even gonna like say something interesting because that's the other thing those ennui guys are all yeah. guys who go on like a big soliloquy about loneliness oh, or something sure. versus this guy who isn't gonna say five words in a row yeah, you know, because he just he's he just does very he's very in diehard mode in this movie. Yeah, there's a lot of parts where he's talking to himself. He is great in this role for mm-hmm. that. And oh yeah, I can't imagine anybody else in this. Yeah, that's probably what does it. So so they they have a big shootout. The opera lady dies, and it turns out that she's been hiding the stones inside her own body. Yep. So he has to dig in those out and, and take them along. Yeah. And Ruby Rod's narrating the whole time while the people are coming to get everybody. <laughs> Ruby Rod talks to himself in a totally different way. Yes, by the way, <laughs> totally. He's a real. He just can't stop 
speaking his internal monologue out loud. Which He's is... like, Corbin, Corbin, what are you doing? What are Corbin, you doing? <laughs> Corbin, they're coming for us. Get yeah, Corbin. yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's really good. And so, but they, you know, eventually they get on the ship. They go back. You're right. That is when she finds out about war. And you know, yeah, she gets man, to the end of the alphabet. <laughs> that's it. I that's such a that. dumb way. <laughs> How did she not get to genocide earlier? Yeah. <laughs> Like I, it's not something that I. I don't think I thought of it. Probably the first time I saw the movie. Maybe in so French. So it's not that much of a problem. Yeah. But it is really funny in retrospect that <laughs> that's like oh war happened to be at the end she, of the alphabet. Did if she, she just skip <laughs> over the letter G. <laughs> yeah. or, or like Hitler. Or R for racism. <laughs> yeah. Hitler yeah. was very early on. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, that's it's that's pretty gun. That's pretty <laughs> funny. <know? laughs> Lots well, she's clearly aware of guns because everyone's shooting guns. Oh yeah, that's true. Everywhere. She thought they were fun, I guess, before she got to war. She <laughs> doesn't realize that everyone's like this. Yeah, it's kind of it makes no sense. And that's you know. <laughs> don't worry about it. Yeah, don't worry about it. But she is very cool in this movie in a weird mm-hmm. way. She's cool in that she's very good at seeming like an someone who was literally just born, and she's very dismissive to everybody. Yeah, like you can't help me. Bye. Yeah, I'm not gonna deal with you. You can't or... teach me. Yeah your language a little more you yeah. don't have any patience for me okay see you later yep i think she that's knows probably she has to meet up with one person and that's which it. is probably the way that they managed to make her not seem like a literal child yeah totally she does have a mission and she, she clearly an, knows her own language she, she has an adult sense of confidence yeah and, and goal orientedness yep. i guess she's technically reborn yeah they take her dna and she probably has her memories up to that point she just doesn't speak english You're right she speaks an alien language which they apparently created for this movie Hmm. And her and Luke Bassan could speak it by the end of it. Wow. Like, full sentences to each other. Huh. Pretty weird. Yeah. That's apparently a big Mila Jovovich thing. Apparently, she loves languages. Okay. And she knows a bunch of them. Interesting. Yeah. It doesn't fit with the persona. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things where... Another thing about this movie is that it seems like everybody who was in it was in it at the right time of their lives, too. Yeah. Like, uh, clearly, this is Mila Jovovich's big thing because... She was the only person that could have played this. She's kind of like Arnold in The Terminator a little bit. Yeah. Honestly, that's a good way to describe it. She's like the only action girl who also is interested in like coming up with a fake language and has <laughs> yeah. the wide-eyed innocence yeah. and not like a jaded sensibility of like, I'm this badass. Yeah. It's just like, there are probably other people who could have done it, but after but it not, she did it, it I can't picture anybody else exactly. having it. Yeah, for sure. And same with Bruce Willis. And same with Chris Tucker. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could have cast Ian Holm with someone else, but, but I'm glad you? it's Ian Holm because he is great. And Gary Oldman. Oh, yeah, totally. Gary Oldman could have been a lot of people. But Probably. He's, but he, his his particular brand of weirdness is the correct brand of weirdness. Oh, yeah, just movie. that kind of fun, evil. Yeah, like, totally fun, evil. I don't even know how to describe what he Yeah, I mean, on. the part where he's like kind of getting one over on the people that he's with. Yeah. Like the aliens, he's like selling them. It's like, like a skeezy salesman. What about this cool gun? Yeah. And then they use the gun and it backfires on them. Oh, and he's man. like, buyer beware or whatever. Yeah. It's kind of just the whole thing is kind of like a perfect storm. Yeah, maybe that's it. Just, maybe just everybody being at the right time. Just the perfect person and the right yeah. time. And I think I don't know much about production design, like set design, that kind of stuff. But it's all awesome. Yeah, the, the production's really good. All the stuff looks really cool. And it the fits ships the, are cool. It fits the tone really well. Yeah, it really does seem like the daytime version of Blade Runner. Yeah, that is actually pretty good to put it. It's it's like L.A. Yeah, bright neon. Yeah, really just like grimy and gross. Yeah. 
And, you know, one of my favorite little moments is there's that guy in, like, the floating boat mm-hmm. who yeah. is essentially still, like, a Chinese stereotype and, like, bring, uh-huh. you know, goes up to people's windows and serves them food specifically. Yep. Which I think would be really cool in general. If that yeah. was your life, you could do, you could ha- you just order the food and the food would come to you and they'd cook mm-hmm. it for you there. That's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. But it's like a taco truck, but if it could drive right up to your window. Yes, exactly. I want that. Yeah. And, and he's cool. And then he just like takes off from the window and it's fun. He just kind of floats away too. Yeah, totally. Like in a totally different way than the rest of the ship's move. Yeah, it moves, moves like a boat. Yeah. Oh, That's yeah. a cool detail. It's I great. like stuff like that. Yeah. So, the it, oh yeah, the movie ends. Uh, they, yeah. they, they do it. They make it work. It turns out that the power of love was what they needed. It's and the fifth element. The fifth element is love. And, yeah. And they, <laughs> and they kiss. Yeah. And that is what like gives her the weird powers to uh-huh. beat the darkness back by shooting a beam of light out of her mouth. Right. Is that what happens? Uh, I don't I remember. I think it's out of her face somehow. Somehow. And also Ruby Rod, uh, somehow figures out how to activate the stones. Yeah, by sighing it really heavily, and that's the air. That I think they it's. Need. I think it's actually the assistant of the priest who sighs on it. Maybe not though. Oh, but Ruby Rod does one of them. He though. definitely does one of them. Yeah, and that's why you need him at the end. Oh they, yeah, they each well, do. Yeah, they each do one. <laughs> or do they fire, water, air, air, earth, earth? Earth's that's the right. easiest one. You just put dirt yeah. on it. Yep. I think that's right. maybe what Ruby Rod did. Ruby Rod just needs to be there to freak out and ask people what they're doing and what's yep. going on. What's happening? He's kind of the audience stand-in. Yes, totally. Why are you doing that? So I actually want to, now that you mentioned that, I do want to talk about Valerian yes. a little bit. Because there is a character who is like Ruby Rod and dies, you know, dies a little earlier instead of mm-hmm. being out throughout the rest of the movie, but mm-hmm. played by Rihanna. Oh. And she, the whole thing is that she is a, she's an alien. Yeah. Like a shape-shifting alien. Mm-hmm. And so... She is if you're gonna shapeshift, you're gonna shapeshift into looking like Rihanna, right? And that's the whole thing <laughs> is that she is always like shapeshifting her clothing and stuff. Uh, and eventually, yeah. she shapeshifts into a bunch of different stuff to help them. Yeah, she's sort of like a, she's essentially like an exotic dancer. Okay, yeah. And then she he the main guy frees her, mm-hmm. and she's thankful enough to follow along. But mm-hmm. so the premise of that movie is this alien planet dies off, all except for a few people. Their their planet gets destroyed by the by the government and their the whole movie is them like trying to get their planet back and so valerian and the girl mm-hmm. why well, i can't even remember their names because it's so forgettable <laughs> yeah but are kind of the two you know like like valerian's the guy and he's played by oh man that guy yeah you know that uh, dane dehan <laughs> yeah and the girl is played by cara deviline or Delevine, whatever i think Delevine. there you go and I don't know. That's how our first name. They're a couple though. with no chemistry. They look like siblings. I know a million they other people made that comment. Really look like <laughs> siblings, and it's really weird. But there are a couple amazingly good set pieces. Mm-hmm. One where they go to this planet, and the actual most of the planet is in a different dimension. Wow! And so you have to have these glasses on in order to interact with them. Okay. With the other dimension. Yeah. And so it's actually really cool. And mm-hmm. the only way you can actually like physically affect stuff from the other dimension mm-hmm. is by having like a box that will is essentially like a conduit between the two. Mm-hmm. So like you can stick your arm through and like have a gun or whatever and stick someone up, but it's only only your hand is in that dimension. Oh wow. And so it's like a layered thing. It's wild. 
Yeah. It's it's worth it worth it for the movie to exist just for that mm-hmm. scene alone, but everything else just doesn't do it. So once again, directed by Luc Besson, twenty two years later. Yeah. And has the same archetypes. Yep. And a lot of the same stuff. There's a bad military, you know, yeah. you know, bad people that are trying to cover stuff up. And yeah. it's it's like that mixed with Avatar a little bit. There's these yep. there are these peaceful aliens that have their planet are having their planet destroyed and they're okay. trying to help them out and it's a whole thing but then also has the weird assistant character played by rihanna where yeah. it's like does it seem like entertainer a, yeah does it seem like a kind of a character failure like they didn't write the characters as good i think it's just too much yeah because it's based on something right yeah it's a comic by mobius okay yeah the guy you know yeah. so i think that fifth element was sort of his thing where he wanted to he probably wanted to do valerian probably 22 years ago yeah and instead he just create came up with his own and his own thing ended up being better than any adaptation he would have made yeah at least as a movie which i think is a pretty good rule for people <laughs> yeah just come up with something and yeah hit the beats you know and just be inspired by these things that's why that's not yeah. why star wars be exists. inspired and come up with something new you know george lucas wanted to make a flash gordon movie yeah and he couldn't so he just made his own thing yeah and it ended up look at it now yeah <laughs> So, you know, just... And especially because it doesn't always carry over from different formats yeah, to work I think the of, same. I mean, I think George Lucas is really a perfect example of all this because he did the Indiana Jones movies too. Yeah. And those are essentially the same thing where it's an homage to, like, Doc Savage and all of these guys. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, which are, like, intrepid explorers, and they're trying mm-hmm. to find treasure and all this stuff. Yeah. And it's it's a very of the time, and he pulled it forward in a way that was cool and mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think he's just, you know, that's, he was one of those people that could just, he didn't get a chance, he didn't get a chance to adapt Apocalypse Now. He didn't get a chance to adapt, like, The Godfather or whatever. Yeah. I, and Coppola's kind of my other example in the sense that, you know, he did adaptations of stuff. The Godfather's mm-hmm. an adaptation of a book. Yeah, and he did a great adaptation, mm-hmm. and you know, Apocalypse Now is an adaptation of Heart of Darkness, but he made it his own thing. Yeah, and he did a good job, but but he's primarily a screenwriter, right? Exactly, that's like his deal. And whereas somebody like George Lucas is, yeah, uh, or technical Lu- film guy, yes, or Luc Besson, I don't know what he's into or I how mean, he got started. I think at all. he's just a director, you know. What I mean? Yeah, it's just his thing. So yeah, I suppose I could see a French guy being like. They seem to be really big into directors. Yeah, totally. So I think that's, and I mean, this is, and this is really his only movie that I think is even worth talking about in any way. Leon, he, the professional, I saw like ten years ago. Oh, and I don't, did he do that? Yeah. Okay, that is a pretty good one. That's admittedly cool, but yeah, it's it's kind of man. I, I don't even, know. Even at the time, I remember seeing it and thinking like, "There's some stuff about this that's cool, but this did not come together for me." Yeah, totally. I think it's it's. He also did La Femme Nikita, but I don't, I don't know, know anything about, about that. I mean, he also did Lucy, which I saw in the theaters and was yeah bad. I just think, and we've talked a lot about the weird tone of the Fifth Element. I, I think just that's his whole thing. I just think it was a very very tough one to nail. Yeah. And he nailed it partially due to the input of the other people involved. Yes. Um, it's true collaboration. Yeah. True group effort. And I think that's, it's tough to recreate. Yep. And sometimes I think a lot of people, I'm not saying like Luke Bassone is a hack or something, but I just think no. there's a lot of people who make something that's really good mm-hmm. and not even in the ways that they intended necessarily or ways that they could understand enough to do again on purpose. Yeah. 
Totally. It might be something like that. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. Because a lot of his other stuff that's come out, I'm just like, boy, this doesn't look interesting. Like, it, it's like no. he, he got really... Like, the parts of the movie that we think are like, eh. Like, the really extended, really self-serious, corny fight scene. Yes. It's like, that's what it seemed like they were promoting Lucy as. That's true. That it's just that. That's the true. movie. And I'm like, why? Like, that's that's the <laughs> thing that I'm trying to get you to do less. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's true. I don't know. No, you're right. They just don't seem that attractive to me as movies. Although Valerian, I thought, seemed interesting. You should watch that one scene. Yeah, and I'll then, look it up. And then just kind of give up on the rest. Yeah. Because there is some cool... It's a great idea for a scene. Yeah. To have a, you know, have something happening in two dimensions. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. And everything past that is very standard genre fare. Yeah. They have, you know, like these three aliens that look like little like really messed up platypus mm-hmm. creatures okay and they all are they're like a three-in-one mind it seems like and they're all finishing each other's sentences and they're all like sell stuff to the highest bidder and it's like yeah most of it's like that or it's like really yeah. boring aliens that sounds very played out yeah they do they, one cool thing that they do have is they there's a big confederation of planets. The City mm-hmm. of a Thousand Planets is essentially a space station that gets linked up to a bunch of other space stations and eventually becomes like an entire... Planet size. Uh, yeah, just like a, a drifting satellite that's like 31 different species. That's pretty rad. It's really cool. And yeah. one of the species looks surprisingly similar to the walking egg guys from the beginning of the nice. element which yes. i think is a great yes. callback yes i wish he would have put them in literally yeah for sure um so i think the other part of why i was like i saw the trailer for that i'm like i'm interested yeah it was just because the two leads mm-hmm. like the guy doesn't seem like a traditional lead for this kind of movie, yeah, he's and I'm really... like, it, I, I, it just made me wonder if it was going to be a different kind of back and forth between them. It is, but it's in the worst way, in a bad way. It's yeah. basic. The their whole thing it is seemed like a risk, at least. Yeah, their whole thing is that he is asking her to marry him, mm-hmm. but she is aware that he's such a player. Like, oh, and Ugh. so he has to prove himself to her. Okay. It's garbage. <laughs> but not like in a... It's so French. <laughs> but not like in a Guardians of the Galaxy kind of way. No, not at all. It's more like a... Yeah. It's very French. That's Ugh. the best way I can describe it. Yeah, that sounds bad. So you can skip that and just yeah. go watch Fifth Element. Yeah, just watch that again. <laughs> watch it twice. <laughs> Are we just slowly going to work towards being people who watch like the same 50 movies over and over? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Is there any moment that really stands out in your mind as like the best or an even an underrated thing? Huh. This time I was really surprised at I keep forgetting that Ian Holm is in this movie. And yeah. so when they go to his apartment and have that whole Yeah little back and forth with him and his assistant and everything, I thought that was really fun. I yeah. thought that was a fun little section. He's fun. He like I always he's one of those guys where I always just think of him as Bilbo Baggins forever. Yeah. Oh, I always uh, think of him as Ash from uh from alien oh yeah that's like my primary one of for him yeah but he he's very he, i don't know he's a good guy to add to your movie i think pretty much at any time yeah oh, absolutely. <laughs> because he can kind of he p- can whatever. play so many different types of roles he can yeah. play sinister he can play good natured he can play very uh he's very studious in this movie mm-hmm. and very self-serious mm-hmm. he doesn't really have a sense of humor but he does have a couple of funny lines 
Yeah, he's kind of a for a movie. He's very like, exasperated for I think. a movie that has a lot of characters that are very over the top. Yeah, he's kind of a stable guy a little bit. Yeah, actually, that's a good way to describe it. He is kind of normal. He has to like he interacts with the government too. I mm-hmm. forget about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so funny. And even the government people are just so weird. Yeah, almost that's almost like not even worth having in the movie, but. <laughs> Because they're just what do they what do they add <laughs> other than saying, oh yeah, it's getting closer, setting up the plot, I guess. Yeah, I suppose. Or the president of Earth and all that. Yeah, he's a really he he has his moments that are kind of funny. Yeah, that's kind of the, this whole that's this whole a lot thing. of that is setting the the scene. That should like, be the tagline of this movie. Everyone has their moments that are pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I guess he kind of sets up the setting of the weird world that they've created, too. Yeah. Because that's clearly a huge part of the movie is the setting of like right, the right, future right, right. world. That makes know. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I like it. Yeah. I'd definitely give this one a shot again if you haven't seen it in a while. Oh, yeah. Or if you've never seen it at all. I mean. Oh, man. You got to see it at least once. It is. A, it's. It's. I'm surprised at how much of a like column of sci-fi you know like it's in the canon Mm -hmm. now oh everyone's like you got to see this movie yeah i'm always surprised by it but i kind of get it yeah it's like the one not serious one (laughs) yeah though yeah there's got to be a comedy sci-fi in there that's Mm -hmm. good and so this and we need more of it this and uh i think the other one that came out even uh, almost in the same year was galaxy quest galaxy quest came out. oh boy i think around that time too another Love galaxy quest let's review that sometime let's have ross come on and do galaxy that quest. yep let's do that perfect yes. <laughs>